Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. Well, this one is for the ladies. Hey, let me start off by saying this. I have never been a woman. I know what you're thinking. You're like, Byron, really? I mean, with that beard, you can make a lot of money in the circus, but I've never been a woman, and I'm never going to be a woman, and so I'm not going to pretend to understand the complexities of what life is like for a woman, because I've never been a mom, I've never been pregnant, praise the Lord, Um, I've never been a sister, I've never been a daughter, I don't know what it's like to be a woman in the workplace, I don't know what it's like to be a woman in college, I don't know what it's like to be a woman in the church, because I've never been a woman, and I'm never going to be a woman, but... I live with a woman. Um, my wife is a, is a woman. My daughter, she's going to grow up and she's going to be a woman. I was raised by my grandparents, my nana. She was a woman. She is a woman. And uh, over the overwhelming majority of our church are women. Half of our deacons are women. And I work with women every single day. And here's what I want to tell you is that I know for a fact, without the ladies in our lives and the women in our church, then life change would not be possible. We say here at Redemption that it's all because of Jesus, but it wouldn't be possible without the women in our church. So let me just give a big thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to all the ladies here at Redemption. A big round of applause. Thank you to all of the women who make redemption possible. Today we're continuing our sermon series through the book of Proverbs called Wisdom for Life. And the sermon title today is called Wisdom for Women. And whenever it came to this subject, I figured I'm going to need a little bit of wisdom when it comes to women. And so what I did is I asked some of the ladies in our church, hey, what would you like for me as your pastor to know about what life is like for you as a woman? How could I encourage you? How can our church support you? What would you like for me to know about what life is like for you as a woman? And so I asked this question, and one of the best ways for you to get wisdom is for you to ask good questions. And so I asked the question, and then here's what some of the women in our church responded as. And I want to say this, that as I began to read the responses from the ladies in her church, uh, it was very eye-opening, it was very heartbreaking, and it was also very encouraging. So let me just read to you some of these responses. One, we'll put them up on the screen so you can read along as well. One woman said, every day I fight a battle in my mind of, am I good enough? Am I a good enough mom? Am I a good enough wife? Am I a good enough friend? Another woman said, we fight tons of insecurities because of pressure put on us by the world. We compare ourselves to others instead of looking to the one who's created us. Another woman said, I feel like a failure whenever things don't go as planned. I feel like my child acting out is a reflection on my parenting or as me as a woman. I feel like there is always work to be done. Another woman said that being a woman is just scary, to put simply. Another said that as a single woman, between movies, books, and especially in the church, I feel like that my pursuit in life is for me to get married and to have kids. Another woman wrote that it's difficult not to compare yourself to everyone around you, especially on social media. And then lastly, one woman said she's exhausted. 
Here's what she says. She says, it's exhausting to constantly have to remind yourself that you are enough in Christ. These are some responses that are received from women who are in our church. And so what it tells me is that the women in our church are going to need some wisdom. Wisdom on how to live life. Wisdom how to grow and to mature and to flourish. It tells me that women are going to need some wisdom when it comes to being in the middle of this world. And so I want to hopefully just give you some some wisdom. I want to give you some encouragement. I want to be able to let you breathe, experience grace and the goodness of God for your life. And so we're going to read Proverbs 31, and I want to give you eight words of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And this is important because these quotes that come from these women in our church, it was eye-opening to me because I've never experienced life like this. And it was heartbreaking to know that there are women in our church who are experiencing this. But it was also very encouraging because there's women in our church who are experiencing life change through Jesus. That every single week, these women in our church, they're pushing past the societal pressures and the demands that are placed upon them, and they're finding their true identity in who Jesus is, what Jesus does, and how Jesus has loved them. And so I'm very blessed. I'm very encouraged because of the ladies, and hopefully I can be of an encouragement to you. So today we're going to do Wisdom for Women, but before we dive in, guys, let me talk to you for a sec. Okay, we're going to preach this about women, but today is not the day you check out. No, today is the day that you pay attention. Today's the day that you listen. So for the guys, next week we're going to preach to you, but today we're preaching for you. Wisdom for women, but it's really for the men, okay? Just to give you a help, just trying to help you out. So if you're, if you're a guy here, if you're a dude here, right, okay, do me a favor. Okay, hold your wife's hand. Maybe with, here with your wife, go ahead, hold, hold her hand, put your arm around her. Hey, if you're here with your mom or maybe with your, you know, your grandmother or the lady in your life, dating, single, engaged, right? Go ahead, put your arm around them, hold their hand. Okay, turn and look at them and say, today I'm listening. <laughs> All right. <laughs> say, say, today I'm listening to you. I'm learning something new so that way I can love you. Okay, that's what it's about. And so we want to be a blessing. We want to love. We want to encourage the women who are in our church. And so this is wisdom for the women. Okay, but for guys, this is also for you. So we're going to read Proverbs 31 up front. I'm going to make a couple observations, make a little joke. And then I'm going to give you eight words of wisdom for the women in our church from Proverbs chapter 31. Here it starts in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find guys Amen. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax, and she works willingly with her hands. The Proverbs 31 woman, she's not a dainty woman. She's not afraid to work willingly, get a little dirt under her fingernails. She's not a princess. She's a hard-working woman. Proverbs 31, 13. Verse 14, she is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. This is coconut curry, quinoa, kale, like all of those organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, good foods. 
She, raised, she rises while it is yet night, and she provides food for a household and portion for her maidens. She considers a field and she buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. Ladies, amen. Nice little vineyard. That sounds nice. She dresses herself and she, with she dresses herself with strength. That's Gymshark, Lululemon, and she makes her arms strong. She does CrossFit. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Now, let me pause right here. All of our multi-level marketing ladies, this is your verse. Okay, this is your verse. Next time somebody tries to make you feel bad, you're like, no, Proverbs 31, she knows that her merchandise is profitable. So all the road and fields ladies, all the Mary Kay ladies, okay, all the young living, essential oil, Cincy, you got a verse right here. Okay, this is it. You're like, I got my verse. My merchandise is profitable. Okay, that's, that's for you. The next we keep going on. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and she holds the spindle. I don't know what a spindle is, but you do. She opens her hands to the poor. She's generous and she reaches out to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household is clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. She's when her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders. She makes linen garments and she sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. She's strength and dignity as her clothing. She laughs, haha, at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And so when she tweets, she gets retweeted. Every Instagram has the perfect caption, hashtag wisdom for women. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the waves of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She's not sitting on the couch watching Netflix. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. She doesn't play Candy Crush. It's the Proverbs 31 woman. Her children rise up and they say, Mommy, you are blessed. Her children also, when he comes home from work, he says, Many women have done all, but you surpass them all. Because charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. That's the Proverbs 31 woman. This is the portrait of biblical womanhood that we find in the book of Proverbs. And as you read it, how many of you ladies, you are just crushing it? How many of you, you make your own clothes, your children wake up in the morning, they say you are blessed, your husband comes home and he praises you, you go buy your food from a merchant, you wear purple all the time, you clothe in strength and dignity and you laugh at the future in its face because you are just a woman and you're nailing it on every single level. How many of you, that's you? You're like, amen, that's me. Proverbs 31, checklist, one, two, three, 31, got it. Maybe not so much. And here's what tends to happen when we teach through Proverbs 31, is that we tell women there's a portrait of biblical womanhood in the Bible, and then they go and they run and they read it. And so every conference for women, every book for women, every blog, every you know Bible study that women do, they get together and then they read the Proverbs 31 woman. Or maybe you're new to the church, or maybe you're new to the faith, and, and you come into the church and they say, oh, hey, there's this portrait of biblical womanhood. And then you run to Proverbs 31 and then you read it and you're like, whoa, hold on. Right. This is what I'm supposed to be. And then it becomes a little confusing. And then some people, they go and they read it, young ladies or you know, newlyweds, and they go and they read Proverbs 31. And then they see, how do I measure up? 
Okay, what does it look like for my life? Am I doing okay? Am I being a godly woman? Am I meeting the portraits of biblical womanhood? And so they run to Proverbs 31, they open it up and they read it and they're like, this ain't me. My life is a mess, and they realize, I'm not measuring up. There must be something wrong with me as a woman, because the Proverbs 31 woman's this towering figure over evangelicalism and Christianity, and we hold her up, and we look to her, and then all the women read this, and then they feel inadequate. Women will read this, and they feel like, I don't measure up. There must be something wrong with me as a woman. For those of you who feel this way today, let me just say something. Proverbs 31 is poetry, and it's not a performance review. Proverbs 31 is poetry, and it's not a performance review. In fact, it's an acrostic poem. What that means is that every single letter of this stanza in this poem, it starts with a certain letter in the alphabet. So in the Hebrew alphabet, it starts with the Aleph and then the Betha, and then it work all the way down, down to Z, or the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet. In the English, it would be like this. Verse 1 would say, a woman is amazing. Verse 2 would say, a woman is beautiful. Verse 3 would say, a woman is courageous, all the way down to the letter Z. I don't have anything for Z. A woman is z- amazing. Like, that's, that's all I got. But you get what I'm saying, that Proverbs here, he's, he's, he's giving poetry. He's not giving the woman a performance review. This is actually the A to Z of womanhood. He's extolling the beauty, the wonder, the wisdom that comes in the life of a woman. And the word wife is interchangeable with woman. In the Hebrew, the word wife and woman, they're used interchangeably because this is a portrait of a woman, not in her everyday life, but he's surveying the totality of her life. So sometimes it's going to be when she's young. Sometimes it's going to be when the kids are young. Sometimes it's when, you know, she's a newlywed. Maybe she's been married for a while. And then at the end of her life, these are accomplishments and these are things that she's accomplished throughout her life, not the everyday life of a woman. And so it's used interchangeably because he's extolling the beauty and the wonders and the wisdom that comes from women. And so here's what I want you to know, that this is poetry and it's not a performance view. For you ladies, as you read this, this is not what you have to do to be a woman. This is who God is making you into. That this is a portrait of the woman that is inside your heart the moment you meet Jesus. This is a portrait of the woman that God has placed inside each and every one of you. And the more that you walk in wisdom, the more that you grow in your faith, the more that you follow after Jesus, the more like this woman you will become over the course of your life. That this is not a performance review. This is poetry about what getting wisdom looks like. And so for those of you who are young, maybe you're a teenage girl, I want you to not walk. You have to grow up so fast. I want you to get wisdom for the season in life that you're in. Walk with the Lord and he'll continue to grow you and you'll be ready for whatever next season you follow. For those of you who are newlyweds, don't feel like you have to run out and make a bunch of babies for you to be the Proverbs 31 woman. Right? Here's what you do. You love your husband. You love the season of life that you're in. You work on the relationship. You enjoy the friendship. And then you're just getting wisdom so the next season of life you're prepared. For those of you who do have kids, you're right there in the middle of it. Don't feel bad when the beds aren't made and the house isn't clean. You know, don't be upset that, you know, everything's falling apart and you haven't taken a shower in five days. Like, don't be upset about any of those things, moms, right? You just have wisdom for the season of life that you're in because those kids won't be small forever. 
And so you have season for the wisdom for the season of the life that you're in. You're faithful and God's going to continue to grow you so you can be ready and prepared for the next season. For those of you who are single moms, you're my hero because you're, you're pulling double duty. Right? Here's what I want you to know. You are a blessing. You are strong. You are my hero and that you need wisdom for the season of life that you're in. And as you're faithful and getting wisdom, God's going to grow you and you're going to become this, this woman. Hey, for those of you who you, your, your kids have grown up, they've moved out, maybe you're retired, maybe, maybe you got a little gray hair and you're looking back, I don't want you to feel like your best years are behind you. Because this woman, the portrait we see is that she's at the end of her life and then she's recounting all of the blessings that God has done over her life. And so your best days are not behind you that you are still walking in wisdom. And the more you walk with wisdom, the more you grow in the Lord, the more like this woman you are going to continue to be. And so for the ladies, just do me a favor. Take a deep breath. Okay, breathe it out. This is not a performance review. This is poetry. And what he's doing is he's explaining, he's extolling, he's teaching the beauty and the wisdom that comes for women. And so, ladies, today, I hope I'm just going to be able to be a blessing to you. I hope that I'm going to be able to encourage you. I hope that you're going to receive grace and not guilt, and that you will be able to see the way in which God is working in you and on you for the glory of God and for the good of others. But because there is so much pressure and demands placed upon women, and the ladies in our church do need some wisdom, here's what I want to do. I want to use Proverbs 31, and I want to give you eight ways that you can get wisdom. Okay. The first way is this. Reject gospel close, choose gospel-centered. Here's what it says in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Here's what Proverbs is saying. Women, you are amazing. Women, you are precious. Women, you are a treasure. Women, you are a gift. Yes, man might be the head, but you're the neck. You tell us where to go. You are strong. You are great. You are courageous. You are powerful. You are a gift. That's exactly what he's saying here, that you're more precious than any different type of jewel. Elsewhere in Proverbs, it says, the man who finds a wife finds a good thing. That's who you are. You are the good thing. And here's why. Because you were made in the image and the likeness of God, that you are worthy of dignity, of value, equality, and of respect, that you are fearfully, wonderfully made. You reveal the glory of God in this world. You are a good thing, that you are precious, you are rare, and you are true trustworthy. That's what the Bible says about women. But if you believe all of those things and only those things, then you're only gospel close. See, all those are wonderful truths that are found in the Bible. But if at any point you think those things are innate within you or something that you deserve or something that you've earned, then you're only gospel close. And here's what gospel close does. Gospel close, it makes you think only about you. Because you can read this and you could say, this is who I am. I am a woman and I am precious and I am rare and I am to be trustworthy and I am more valuable than anything else. And so you need to respect me. You need to love me. You need to do this for me because this is who I am. And then all of a sudden, your womanhood becomes your identity and you think all of these things are innate within yourself as if you have earned them. That's not true. This is something that God has given you. See, gospel close, 
focuses all about you. Gospel Close will say, I'm worthy. My husband's lucky to have me. Gospel Close would say, I'm special. There's no one else like me. I'm unique. I'm an individual that I need more attention. I need more focus because I am a woman. And then your womanhood becomes your identity as if it's something that's innate with inside of you. And here's where this has the rub. is because then you begin to derive your worth from it. Because then you'll say, oh, this is the reason that I'm worthy. And then when everything falls apart, you move from worthy to worthless. Instead of saying, well, what about me? You start saying, well, what about me? Instead of saying, I deserve more, you're like, why don't I deserve anything? Instead of saying, my husband's lucky to have me, you're like, why, why, why is my life the way that it is? Instead of just thinking about you, you're still thinking about you. Whether positive or negative, you're still the center of your own life. Ladies, here's what I would tell you. Reject gospel close. Instead, choose gospel-centered. Because it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. Gospel close is all about you. Gospel-centered is all about Jesus. And here's the reason that gospel-centered frees you. is because you can say this, that yes, a woman is hard to find. You know why? Because there's not a lot of us out there. And here's the reason. It's because you're holy. That holiness begins to define your life. That you're walking not according to the wisdom of this world, but according to the wisdom that comes from the word of God. That you have been sanctified, you have been set apart, you have been chosen, you've been called, you've been made, you've been shaped and formed and transformed into the image and likeness of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ in your life. That's why you are rare. Because you have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. That's why you are more valuable than jewels. Because Jesus gave his life for you. The reason that your husband trusts you is because you've been filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he sees the Spirit of God working in you, on you, through you, for his glory and for the good of others. That's the reason that you're trustworthy. Those things are not about you. Those things are all about Jesus and what he does in you. Reject gospel close because gospel close, it just talks about you. Do you know how exhausting it is to just think about yourself all the time? Instead, choose gospel-centered. Because here's what gospel-centered is going to free you to be able to do. That you're able to love others without expectation. That you're able to serve others without being selfish. You're able to bless others without wondering what's in the benefit for me. And here's the most important thing. Because when you do sin, when you do fall short of the glory of God, and when you do fail, you are not a failure. You are just forgiven. That's why gospel-centered is so important. Because you think, well, I'm worthy or I'm worthless. No, in him, you find your worth. Reject gospel close. We live in a day to where it's all about gospel close. Instead, as a church, we should be a church that's gospel-centered. That's, that's the first point. The second point we'll look at is this. Pursue progress over perfection. Here, here's what it says in verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and she works willingly with her hands. She is like the ships of a merchant that brings her food from afar. 
She rises while it is still at night, and she provides food for her household and portion for her maidens. Now, when you read Proverbs 31, it's pretty obvious why so many women will feel in fear or intimidated by this, this woman. Because when you read it on the surface, it looks like her entire life is perfect. You read it and you're like, this woman is perfect. I mean, look at her. She seeks flax and wool. I don't even know what flax is. I don't know. I live in Southeast Texas. Why are we having wool? It's just too hot and muggy outside. Like, how do I do this? Where's flax? Did she get that from Whole Foods, Trader Joe's? Like, I don't even know. Do I order it from Amazon? How do I get this flax? This woman, her life seems perfect. I mean, just consider this. It says she is like the ships of a merchant. She brings her food from afar. I use H-E-B curbside. Like I drive down, I order my food on an app so I don't have to get out of my yoga pants, put makeup on and tell my kids no for the hundredth time today. How does she find time to go to the merchant ships? She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's still night. She wakes up at five o'clock in the morning. She runs five miles. She does her Jillian Michaels. She takes a shower. How does she do these things? And then she goes and she finds portions for her maidens and she provides food for a household. So she does all of these things in the morning. And then she has time to go buy groceries, cook dinner. She has people who work for her. How does this woman do all these things? Like she has nannies. This woman sounds perfect. And then you look at your life and you're like, I'm not perfect. And then you look at Proverbs 31 and you're like, she's perfect. And then you look at your life and you think, well, I'm not perfect. And then as you begin to do that, you begin to discourage yourself. And here's why this is so exhausting. It's because when you live your life to be perfect, living and pursuing after perfection is ultimately paralyzing. Because here's what's going to happen. Ladies, you think, I have to be perfect. I need to be perfect. I want to be the perfect mom. I want to be the perfect... I want to be the perfect wife. I want to be the perfect woman. I want to be the perfect daughter. I want to have the perfect Instagram. I want to have the perfect social media feed. I want to be the perfect college student. I want to get the perfect GPA. I want to be perfect. I need to be perfect. I got to be perfect. And then when you're not perfect, what happens? You give up. See, if I can't reach this standard, then what's the point at all? If I can't be perfect, then what's the point at all? If I can't be the Proverbs 31 woman, I guess I'm not going to be a biblical woman at all. And then so you just give up because perfection is paralyzing. But here's what we need to do. Instead of pursuing after perfection, we need to pursue after progress. What you need to get is that this woman didn't get here in a day. If you read through it, just look at all of the, the verbiage used. Every single time, it's past tense. In the Hebrew, this poem is written in the past tense. That this woman didn't get here in a day. This is years of accumulated wisdom through the life of this this woman. She didn't just get here today. This didn't happen in her 20s. This didn't happen in her 30s. This didn't happen in her 40s. This was years of accumulated wisdom over the life of this woman. And so don't feel like you have to be perfect. But every single day, we do need to be making a little bit more progress. That by God's grace, you won't be who you used to be, but tomorrow you're going to be a little bit more. Tomorrow you're going to be making a little bit more headway. Tomorrow you're going to be moving a little further down the long. Maybe it's not in your 20s. Maybe it's not in your 30s. Maybe it's not in your 40s. But by God's grace, this is the woman that he has created you to be. Instead of pursuing after perfection, which is paralyzing, we should be pursuing after progress in our life. The next point I'll show you is that we're to be focusing on character over accomplishments. 
Verse 16, she considers the field and she buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and she makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable for her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. I was talking with a young woman in her church just the other day this week and she was really anxious and nervous and she was worried about the future of her life. She was worried, where am I going to be at in five years? Where am I going to be at in 10 years? What am I going to accomplish with my life? What does God want for my life? Where am I going to be? What is God's plan? What is God's purpose for me in my life? And she was very nervous and she was very anxious when it came to thinking about what she was going to accomplish at the end of her life. And here's what I told her. And this is where this point comes from. Don't worry so much about your accomplishments. Instead, focus right now on your character. Because it's the character that's going to lead to all of the accomplishments. If you just worry about your character, let God worry about your accomplishments. So here's what it means. So if you are single, you just be faithful, work on your character. And then whatever God has for you, you're going to be ready for that. If you have kids, okay, just be faithful raising your kids. And then as they continue to grow, God, he's going to see, he's going to see to that. If you are not having kids, if you don't have kids, if you're praying and wanting kids, okay, just be faithful in the season that you're in, right? Build good, godly character in the life that you're in. And then as the Lord begins to open the doors, as the Lord begins to grow you, you get a little wisdom, then you're going to be able and ready for whatever God has best next for you. So whatever season, if you're at the church or if you're at work or if you're in college, if you're in a community group, if you're in a serve team, if you're married, if you're not married, if you're single, if you're divorced, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, work on your character and then let God reward you for those accomplishments. But you build your character because when you get to heaven, God's not going to reward your accomplishments. God's not going to be in heaven going, wow, your kid graduated top of the class in Awanas. Way to go. Oh, they got into that college? Wow, I'm so impressed by you. Whenever, whenever you get to heaven, God's not going to reward you based on your accomplishments. God's going to reward you based on your character. You worry about your character. Let God worry about the accomplishments. And here's the reason why. Because we read this and we look at this woman and we think, wow, look at all these accomplishments that she did. She, she's in real estate. Right? She sold a field, she took the money, she invested it, she planted a, and then went and bought a vineyard. I'd like a vineyard. That sounds like a great accomplishment. Okay? And we read it and like, she doesn't worry about her bills. She doesn't worry about her future. She's got money left over. It, we see that she puts her hands to the distaff. She's dressed nice. She's clothed and strong. Her lamp doesn't go out at night. She's well prepared. She's diligent. Look at this woman. Her life is perfect. Might I just tell you that these are rewards of her character and not her accomplishments. Because if you think about it, what it says here is this, is that she takes a field, she plants it, she buys a vineyard. You know what we call that? We call that stewardship. That she's wise with her money. Now that's not an accomplishment, that's, that's character. That she has good stewardship. Should, should women be wise when it comes with their money? Absolutely. It says that she's prepared. Her lamp doesn't go out at night. Should women be prepared? Yes. It says that she's strong. Should women be strong? Yes. Should women be diligent? Yes. Those are all character traits. And what happens so much is for the ladies is you focus so much on accomplishments. I want to do this. I got to do this. I need to be here. I need to be there. I need to do these. I need to do this thing. And all of a sudden you focus so much on the accomplishments, but what God really wants is for you to work on your character because it's character that leads to these accomplishments. You worry about your character. Let God reward you with the accomplishments. The next thing I'll tell you is that we are to pursue sanctification. 
that sanctification is better than self-help. She opens her hands to the poor, and she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for a household, for a household is clothed with scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. We live in a world that is filled with self-help. If you go to Barnes & Noble, the largest section in the bookstore is the self-help, self-improvement, the life enrichment section, whatever they call it. That's the largest section in the Barnes & Noble bookstore. And last year, the self-help industry sold over $11 billion. Okay, just so you know, that's a lot. And it doesn't give me a lot of confidence in the market whenever they have to keep publishing new self-help books. It's like the last one didn't work, so you got to buy this one. Okay, I bought your last one. That didn't work, so I'm going to come back and I'm going to buy another one. And that's the reason that it keeps generating so much money. Just something for you to pray about. Just an observation that I had. And so many people are out buying self-help books because they're looking to better themselves. They're looking to improve themselves. They're looking to become their best version of themselves. And you know who the largest consumer of self-help books is? Women. 83% of self-help books are purchased by women. Okay, that could be because dudes don't know how to read. <laughs> or it could be that women just feel like there's something wrong with them. And they always need to fix themselves. And they always need to improve themselves. And they always need to better themselves. And that women are looking for happiness. And they're turning to books and blogs and magazines and YouTube articles and daytime talk shows, Oprah and Ellen. And they're looking to all of these things because they feel like there's something wrong with them. They feel like they need to fix themselves. They want to become the better version of themselves. They want to live their best life right now. And so they're trying to do all of these things in order to better and work on themselves. And self-help isn't helping. And here's what me and Ashley noticed. We laid out a whole bunch of books and, um, and magazines at our house, and, and we were just kind of going through them. And what I noticed is that every single magazine sells you something different. And they're trying to sell you this picture of happiness because you want to work on yourself. And so every magazine sells you something different. And so we were going through one, and some magazines, it's like the beauty magazine. They're like, if you want to be, you know, happy, and if you want to be better, then you need to, you know, buy this makeup and wear it a certain way. And here's how you contour your lines, and here's how you put your eyebrows on, and here's the things that you do. And if you do these things, then you'll be more attractive, you'll be more lovely, and you'll finally be happy. And then some people are like, well, that didn't work. And so you move over here and you're like, it's not about makeup. Instead, it's about your fitness. I mean, you're perfect just the way that you are. But if you did lose 20 pounds by lunch, you would be better. And they're like, if you just do these exercises, you can sculpt your booty, lose the cellulite, and then you'll just, you'll be better. You're, you're perfect the way you are, but you can still improve. And then that was a little too close, wasn't it? And then we go over here and there's like, oh, it's not well, it's wellness got to worry about your wellness. It's your mental health. It's all about your mental health. So here's what you do. You put some Enya music on. You get a nice, you get a nice little aroma bubble bath from the church. And then you get in the yoga position. You bend yourself in a pretzel. And then you just center your chakra and just have a purple aura all around you. It's all about your wellness. And some people try beauty. Some people try fitness. Some people try wellness. And then some people, it's like, oh, hey, you know what? You probably just need some cats, right? <laughs> So here's all these cat videos on YouTube, and maybe you need a dog, and maybe you need a friend, or maybe you need a hobby, or maybe you need an interest, or maybe you need to go on vacation, maybe you need, you know, a better marriage, maybe you need better kids, maybe you need kids, maybe you need, 
And so it's all of these things that you have to do if you want to be happy. And here's what happens is you buy it, it markets towards women, and you sell it. And here's what you're hoping for. You're hoping that there's something you can do that will fix you. You're hoping there's something that that you can do that will make you a better version of yourself. You're so worried about self-help. But here's what God wants to do. Instead of working on yourself, God wants to work on your soul. That's called sanctification. Sanctification is the process where day by day, week by week, year by year, you're becoming made more and more into the image and likeness of who Jesus is. Yes, we we need to grow. Yes, we need to experience. Yes, we need to get wisdom. Yes, we need to continue to flourish. But here's the thing, is that it's not from working on yourself. It's from God who's working on your soul. Sanctification is the process, and we become more and more like Jesus. Just consider these things. This woman in this Proverbs 31, she does a whole lot. She's generous, but that's, that's through the becoming more like Jesus. She's not anxious when she looks to her future, and it's because she knows that she is provided for through the wisdom that comes from Jesus. It's not because there's not pain. It's not because there's not problem. It's not because there, things aren't going to go wrong, but she knows who wisdom is found in Jesus, and he's growing her, making her into this type of woman. That's what sanctification does. You don't have to go to Barnes & Noble. You just got to read your Bible. You don't have to pick up magazines and articles. You don't have to do all those things. Are those things bad? No, they're not bad, but they're not enough because while you're working on yourself, God is wanting to work on your soul. It's about sanctification. Self-help is not enough. We need the Holy Spirit's help working on our lives through sanctification. The next thing I would tell for the women in the church is learn the difference between condemnation and conviction. In 24, it says, she makes linen garments and sells them and she delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. Now, here's the truth. Proverbs 31 has crushed many a women over the years. She's this towering figure in church and in little girls' Bible studies and, you know, at women's group and the massive evangelical machine that sells her and promulgates her on women. I mean, she is this massive towering figure over Christianity. And for many years, she has crushed women. And just think about it. Those of you, you knew that today was Mother's Day and you knew that there was going to be a special sermon and you knew that you also didn't really want to come. Because you didn't really want another man telling you how you need to be a better woman. Okay, that's probably what you're thinking. And you're thinking, oh no, here comes the Mother's Day sermon. Here comes another thing that I have to do in order for me to be a better woman. And so you feel this and you sense this and you read this and you're like, I don't measure up. I don't stack up. I don't fit this portrait of what a woman is. And so you're reticent and you're hesitant to well to come today. And here's what I want to say. That uneasiness, that uncertainty that's inside your heart, okay, that's called condemnation. And that doesn't come from God. That's called condemnation. Instead, the Lord brings conviction. You need to learn the difference between the two, between condemnation and conviction, because condemnation will say, you're not worthy, you're not welcome, you're not loved, nobody really cares about you, you're never going to fit in there anyway, you're never going to belong there, nobody really wants you there, you need to just leave because you're never going to measure up, you're never going to be perfect, so don't even try. That's called condemnation. A lot of women, you feel that. You feel condemnation. Instead, we need to learn the difference between condemnation and and what conviction is. Conviction is when God comes along and says, yes, there's room to grow, and we're going to do it together. 
Yes, there's room for you to improve, and we are going to do this together. Hey, the Holy Spirit's right here calling out the woman that's inside of you to grow and to flourish and to become what God has made you to be. When we read Proverbs 31, we don't need to reject this woman. We need to reject the enemy in our life who's trying to condemn us. Instead of condemnation, which brings guilt, we're to receive conviction, which leads to grace. Instead of condemnation that wants us to give up, we should have conviction that wants us to keep moving. Do you see the difference between condemnation and conviction? Condemnation would say, you need to do X, Y, or Z because you're never going to be fit. And then conviction would say, hey, come here. We're going to grow together. There's areas in your life where you know you need to grow, and I'm here to help you with that. We should learn the difference because when we read this, we think, oh, she makes linen garments and she sells them? never going to do that. Oh, she delivers sashes to the merchants. I'm never going to do that either. Strength and dignity are her clothing. I mean, that's what we read right here. And so we think, okay, how many of you ladies, you feel like you're clothed in strength and dignity in your life? How many of you feel tired and exhausted on your third cup of coffee? Yeah. You can read that and you can feel condemned or you can be convicted. Convicted that you are to grow in strength and dignity. That that is who you are. I mean, you can read this and you think, she laughs at the future and the fear to come. How many of you, you laugh at the future? You're like, here I am. I am woman. I got wisdom. Come on, future, bring it on. How many of you are a little nervous when it comes to your future? I mean, a little anxious when it comes to your future. Okay, you don't need to be condemned because you're anxious. You need to be convicted that there is grace and that you have security in your salvation and that you don't need to be anxious about anything. You don't need to be condemned, but you do need to be convicted that we don't reject this woman, but we become her. The next point we'll see is this. Transformation beats transparency. She opens her mouth with wisdom and teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of the household and she does not eat the bread of idleness. Gearing up for this sermon, I thought this is going to be an easy sermon. I mean, Proverbs 31, I mean, there's so many different blogs and articles. I mean, I can just get a nice little outline out there. There's tons of resources and commentaries over this. This is going to be such an easy sermon, and the ladies are going to love me because of it. And so I just planned that I was going to teach this sermon. I was going to have like five nice points about how a woman is homeward in her orientation, how a woman loves her husband, serves her kids, she's generous and kind, and she has a perfect devotional life. And I was going through, because she fears the Lord, I was going through my notes with Ashley, and she's like, Byron, you can't say that. And I was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, "Um, that's not very helpful for us. Because we know we're supposed to do all those things, but we're not doing those things. And the last thing we need is another sermon telling us that we need to be better. The last thing that we need is another sermon telling us that we need to be better wives or better or, or, or better daughters or, or better moms or, or better women because we all know that we need to be better women. The thing that we need most is we need the gospel. The thing that we need most is we need hope. The thing that we need most is we need encouragement. The thing that we need most is to be able to see who Jesus is and what he's doing in our lives. And then she handed me a book. And this book is called Sick of Me by Whitney Capps. And it's an amazing book. I'm going to recommend it to you. And I went and I read it in an entire day. I mean, it was just such a great book. It was hands down the best women's book that I've ever read in my life. It was also the only women's book that I've ever read in my life. (laughs) But I'm going to start reading more women's books because this book was incredible. And it was better than most books that I've read so far this year. And here's the main theme of 
this book that we need to ditch transparency for transformation. And here's why. Because we live in a culture to where it's okay to, to celebrate your flaws. To where when you fail or when you mess up, when you make a mistake or when you sin, you're just saying, hey, that's just who I am. That's just the way. Yeah, my life's a little bit messed, but that's me. I'm just, I'm just a mess. And we sit across people and we have coffee with them and, you know, we're having our, you know, times and we're thinking, well, my life's just a mess and I can't believe I did this. And you know what? That's just the way that it is. That's my personality. That's just who I am. I've always been that way. I'm always going to be this way. And then we become very accommodating to our brokenness and that you begin to identify with your brokenness. But here's the truth. Brokenness is not an excuse for bad behavior. And we become so aware of our brokenness and we begin to identify with our brokenness. Oh, you know, I curse a little bit, but that's, you know, that's just how I was raised. Yeah, I drink a little too much, but it's mommy juice and I earned that. And you think, oh, well, this is just my, I took a test and, you know, this is just the way that it is and this is the way that it'll be. And if I can't have the perfect Instagram worthy life, then I'm going to get on Facebook and I'm going to vent about it. And I'm going to say I'm being authentic and I'm being transparent because that's just how I am. Brokenness is not an excuse for your bad behavior. Yeah, the world is broken and the world is flawed, but you are better than broken. You're being made new. You're better than broken. You are being made new. God is not after your transparency. God is after your transformation. That he wants you to be made new. Ladies, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay for you to stay that way. God did not save you to leave you. He saved you to change you because you have a purpose. And if you just live in your transparency, you will never experience God's transformation. I love that we live in a church to where it's okay for women to be safe and confident and to be comfortable to take the mask off to be open i love that we live in a church to where that is acceptable and celebrated praise god for that but transparency is not enough what if we also had a culture in our church to where women were confident to be able to say yeah god's doing a great thing in my life What if we had women in our churches say, yeah, you know what? The Holy Spirit's brought a lot of healing in places I didn't even know I needed. What if we had a church where the the women in our churches say, by God's grace, I'm not who I was yesterday. And by the grace of the Holy Spirit, I am not where God's calling me tomorrow because I am going to continue to grow in him. What if we had a church where that was acceptable and celebrated? What if we had a church where we were known for what God is doing instead of what we do in our life? Transparency is not enough. We need to go beyond transparency and we need to move towards transformation. The next thing we'll see is that as she, let me say this. This woman, it says in this proverb right here that she has wisdom and kindness is on her tongue. So that means that when this woman, as she's speaking, she's speaking life, she's speaking blessing, she's speaking encouragement, she's speaking hope, and she's looking forward to what God's going to do. Wisdom and kindness is on her tongue. That she's not identifying with her flaws, she's not, she's not celebrating or commiserating with her brokenness, she's moving forward to something better. Transformation is what God's after in your life. The next thing we see is that identity comes before activity. Verse 28, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you, you surpass them all. Now, this is every woman's fantasy. And here's how it goes. She gets up in the morning. The kids are very quiet. She doesn't hear a noise. She gets worried. 
So she walks into the room and she looks at her kids and the bed's already made. And the kid looks at her and says, Mommy, you're blessed. You are so blessed. You are so beautiful, Mommy. Mommy, you are blessed. What would you like me to do? Would you like me to change my own diaper? Would you like me to make my own breakfast? I will pack my own lunch. I will not give you a fit in the carpool lane because, Mommy, you are blessed. Would you like to go to Target and me not ask for anything? I could do that for you because you are so blessed. Amen? And then for the husband, too. The husband comes home after a long day of work and opens the door and says, Honey, I'm home, and you are the best woman in the world. Many women have done excellently, but you, my dear, you surpassed them all. What can I do to help? Would you like me to, would you like me to, to do the homework for the kids? Would you like me to make the table? I'll even cook dinner. What would you like? What can I do for you? Would you like me to give the kids a bath, tuck them in, put them to bed? Would you like me to give you a back massage? Would you like me to, 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 to just let you go watch HDTV, pick her up her, and you can just go handle all of that, and you just relax because you've worked so hard all day long, and I'm here to serve. Many women have done excellently, but baby, you, you surpass them all. You know how I know that? Because every time I come home, Ashley's like, oh, thank God you're home, please. <laughs> but here's, here's the truth, women, is you think the more you do, the more you are loved. You think if you can do more, then you will be more loved. Here's what you think. You think that your activity determines your identity. What you do does not determine who you are. Who he is determines who you are. That your activity is to flow from your identity. Your activity is not to be your identity. You think that if I just do all the things, then I'll be more loved. If I could just bring my kids to soccer practice and, and jujitsu and to ballet all on the same day, if I could just organize this all out and just make it, then they will finally love me. If I can cook dinner and have you know the groceries ready, and if I could have them tucked in, if I could do all of these things, then then they will love me. If I could go to the store without people staring at me, then my kids will love me. And here's what you think: you think that. The more you do, the more you are loved because you think your activity determines your identity. But here's the truth, that you are blessed, not because of what you do, but because of who he is. You are blessed, not because of what you do, but because of who he is. I love you, but listen to me. Mom is your activity. Blessed is your identity. Mom is what you do. Blessed is who you are. Your activity doesn't determine your identity. But this goes for all women. Wife, wife is not who you are. You are more than just a wife. You are blessed by God. 
For those of you who are moms, you are more than just a mom. Now, you're not less than a mom. You are more than just a woman. You are not less than a woman. You are more than just a wife, but you are not less than a wife. We're not talking about the erasing of gender roles and responsibilities between men and women in the church and home. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about identity. And here's what we know is that your activity does not determine your identity. It goes the other way around. When you know who you are, then you're free to do what you've been called to do. That mom is not your identity. Blast is. And when you get this, it changes everything in your life. Because here's why. Because then you're free to be able to love others without any expecting anything back. Because you know that your identity comes from God first. You're free to be able to be a wife. You're free to be able to be a mom. You're free to be able to be a sister or a daughter. You're free to be able to be a member of a church or in a community group or on a serve team. Because you're not worried about your identity. Because you know it's secure and found ultimately only in Him. You're not worried about that promotion at work. You're not worried about about, you know, your GPA. You're not worried about those things because your identity doesn't come from what you do. Your identity comes from who he is. That you're blessed. You're a child of the, and the daughter of the living most high God. You have been saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of the second coming when you receive the fullness of the glory of God before you. That's your identity. Not what you do. But when you know who you are, you'll know what you can do. Which leads us to the last thing. And for the ladies, I just hope you're so encouraged today. I hope that you're blessed. I hope for the women in our church, you are encouraged. I hope you're not hearing this as guilt, like more things you have to do. I hope you hear this as grace, that this is what God is doing. I hope you're not exhausted. I hope that you're encouraged. And my hope and my prayer is that the women in our church would worship more and worry less. If you forget everything that I say, please remember this one thing. If there's one thing that you hold on to, if there's one thing that you remember, if there's one thing, please just write this down. Worship more and worry less. This is the one thing that makes this woman what she is. You wonder, how does she do all those things? Because she worships more and she worries less. How does she live the life that she lives? How does she do the things that she does? How does she set this great precedent and pattern this portrait of what a godly woman is supposed to be. How does she do those things? It's because she has the fear of the Lord. That's what makes all the difference for her life. She has the fear of the Lord, that she would worship more and worry less. Here's what it says. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her. A woman who fears the Lord is worthy to be praised. The reason that we put this woman up as an example of godly womanhood is because wisdom for women is found in the fear of the Lord. That's what makes all of the difference in her life because she fears the Lord. Now, I find it very fitting that Proverbs 31 is the last chapter and this is the last verse in the book of Proverbs and it's about a woman because God saves the best for last. Amen. But if you remember back to Proverbs chapter 1, he introduced us and he says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then in Proverbs week 1, we talked about the fear of the Lord being wisdom. That wisdom for women is ultimately found in the fear of the Lord. Now, when we say fear, we don't mean, we don't mean cowarding, afraid, fearful. Here's what we mean. We mean respect. Fear means reverence. Fear means awe. Fear means ultimately worship. Fear is an awareness of God's presence 
in your life, that God is with you in the everyday stuff of life, that you are aware of God's presence and you know that wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever you're up against, whatever place you find yourself in, that God is right there with you. God is beside you. God lives inside of you and God will see you through. You have an awareness of God's presence and when you realize this, it begins to make you live a life of worship and it removes a life of worry. Because why would you worry if your God is with you? Why would you be afraid when your God is with you? Why would you be fearful when your God is with you? Why are you so concerned, so consumed with all these things when the one who created everything is right there with you? When you see God for who he is, when you see God for his greatness, then you're able to live a life of wisdom. Because here's the way that this looks. That God is bigger than your situation. God is more sovereign than your circumstances. God is greater than whatever you're going through. And wherever you're at, he's right there with you. When you see this, you're able to worship more and you're able to worry less. My prayer is that for us as a church, the women in our church would understand this. That you would be encouraged and not exhausted. That you would have grace and not guilt. And that you would live lives of worship and spend less time worrying. He says, charm is deceitful. If you got it, you got it. If you don't, you don't. Don't worry about it. Worship is what you worry about. He says, beauty is vain. But worship is where wisdom comes from. A woman who fears the Lord is worthy, free to be praised. So if you're single, worship God. If you're divorced, worship God. If you're married, worship God. If you have kids, worship God. If you don't have kids, worship God. If you're a stay-at-home mom, worship God. If you're a working mom, worship God. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through. If you're a stepmom, worship God. Worship is what makes a woman wise. Because she fears the Lord. So I'm going to close with another quote from a woman in our church. I opened up with a quote. I'm going to close with a quote. And here's what a woman in our church said as I asked her about this question. She says, women, we always have 45 tabs open in our brains. The endless to-do list of things to accomplish, how we all need to improve 15 aspects of our life. And the truth is we need extra grace there. Because while it looks like we are a blur, the details aren't visible and they seem more important to us. The best love that can come from my church is always just a word of encouragement and a kind gesture. We are constantly beating ourselves up for what we aren't doing. So to be reminded of what we are doing and that we are seen is huge. For the women in our church, I want you to know I love you, that your church supports you, that we see you, and that life change wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for you. I hope today you get a little bit of wisdom. And if you remember one thing, remember this. Worship more and worry less because that's where wisdom for women is found. Let's pray. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Oh.